the Chava having described our view of the Eden. So the king responds to him, we're holding by Sif Kuf Tazain, and the king tells him, Amar Kuzari, Imkain ein chidush, there's no new concept of reward after the Torah. In other words, he originally thought that the idea of a spiritual reward was something which had been, so to speak, invented or begun by the other religions. And now that he's seen that really there's a basis for it all in the Torah, both the fact that there's a spiritual element which continues to live after death and the nature of a spiritual reward. So I see there's no, no, no one later added anything new. Just the exact nature of what Ganadin is and what Kehinim is, but the idea that these concepts exist isn't an invention of a daily religion, it's from the Torah itself. And to that, the Chavir answers, Even the way they explain what the reward of Ganadin or the punishment of Gehinim is, is also not something they developed on their own. Because even though it's not first in the Torah, but the Chazal elaborated at length on the concepts of reward and the concepts of punishment. And therefore, if a person is looking for a basis for everything which the other religions came up with, really there's a Makar in the Chazal that didn't invent anything on their own. But now there's the important point which needs to be explained which is something that later on in the Sefer HaKuzari he's going to discuss himself. And that is, you know, we have one of the Ikrim of Imana, one of the fundamental principles of Imana, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not physical. The third of the Rambam's 13 Animamins, HaKadosh Baruch Hu ain't a guf, v'layasigehu masigeya guf. Hashem is not physical, he doesn't have a body, and therefore physical concepts don't apply to him. Now, while that's true, the question is always asked, why is it a principle of Imana? The principle of Imuna means this is something which is fundamental to being a Jew. So that there is a Kaddish Baruch Hu and that we have a Torah and that Hashem rewards us and Hashem knows what we're doing and, uh, and that there's nothing else besides Hashem. That's understandable. That's all fundamental to Yiddishkeit. But the principle that Hashem is not physical, it's a true point. But why is it a fundamental point of Yiddishkeit? And uh, we see in the Torah, not once but many times, Moshe reminds us of this point. We didn't see anything when Hashem spoke to you. There was no physical, something which you could, so to speak, liken Hashem to, or compare, because seen in a physical way. There's a big insight here, because that himself is going to bring it later. And that is, he, he describes the other religions in comparison to the Jewish people. He said it's the same way you would describe the, a statue of a person to a human being. They look the same. If you have a good sculptor, a good artist, uh, and he fashions his wax model, let's say, after the likeness of a person, they'll look very similar. If the man stands still next to his own statue, you won't see so much of a difference. He said, if you're going to compare other religions to Yiddishkeit, and you can, then you'll think that they look very similar to each other. They both have a belief system, they both have the laws they're meant to keep, they both have a concept of reward and punishment. Where's the, where's the difference? The difference between the statue and the person. Which means, the one's alive, the other one's dead. And now here's an important point. What makes Yiddishkeit alive? And what makes other religions dead? So there are a number of points we're going to discuss in this. It's a very interesting way of defining the difference between different religions. 
But the one point I want to talk about now is this Yisrael. And that is, a person looks like the statue on the outside. But what makes him a person, the fact that he can think, the fact that he can talk, the fact that he can feel, the fact that there's somebody deeper than just the facade of the body. Right? That's just an external part of the person. What you, you can copy a statue, you can't copy life. And therefore you can make somebody look just like his image. You can make an image of someone look just like him. But you can't create the person. Because the person is something which isn't physical and therefore something alive which you can't, you can't capture that. And therefore, the Khazari, the Chacham says to the Khazari later on, that the religions could copy the body, so to speak, the surah of a religion, the outside form, but not the life. And here's the Eke Yisad. Yiddishkeit isn't just a religion which relates to the physical, what a person has to do with their body. Like you've learned in Nefesh Chaim, and this is to everybody, right? that's just a certain part of it. Really, there's the whole level of the spiritual part of a person, the spiritual reality of a person how he sees himself as being something non-physical, and therefore, as the, and not just himself, there's a whole spiritual world which a person wants to connect to. Now, being as it's not something which you can see like a person's body, it's not something you can copy and make it another form of. And therefore, even if you're going to try and plan a religion based on the external trappings of Yiddishkeit, now Yiddishkeit is festivals, we'll have festivals. Yiddishkeit prays, we'll pray. Yiddishkeit is fast days, we'll have fast days. You're copying the body. You're not copying the spirit. You're not copying the tzura, the life of the, of the religion. And where you see this most clearly is in the concept of reward and punishment. And this is exactly the point which he said before, and he means here as well. And that is, the concept of reward, if you're going to talk about just the physical side of it, so you're going to have to see reward as a physical thing. If that's all you can do, is see the physical side of a religion, and that's what you're trying to emulate, so you're going to talk about reward as being physical. If you're going to, but if you understand that there's a certain spiritual elements, spiritual elements, then the reward's never meant to be physical. That's not the point. Like he said himself, the body stays here. The whole concept of reward has to be understood on a different level. So all the goyim basically did is, like everything else they copied, they brought it down to a physical level. So whatever spiritual concept which we're going to speak about as an understanding of a future reward, is just going to be toned down and explained in physical terms. They didn't add anything. They just pushed it, translated whatever they could understand what we have into a physical sense. Now, there's always that danger. Being as we physical people, there's always a danger to bring things down to the level of just seeing the physical side of it and nothing beyond that. What forces us, what forces us to work on the spiritual level is the fact we have to relate to Hashem. And we said this before when we spoke about Avodah Zarah, if it would be possible to make some kind of form to represent Hashem, then that's where it would end. Because now that you have a physical form to represent Hashem, people will see that's Hashem. And then they would never have to work on a spiritual level. You've, you've brought the God down to a physical thing too. Which is exactly what Avodah Zarah did. But even like we explained, the original Avodah Zarah understood there was something spiritual they were doing. But once they brought it down to something physical to connect it to, so for the Hamoin Am, they just saw this, that all they saw was the statue, that all they saw was the idol. They never saw beyond that. They just brought everything down to its physical level. And therefore, Dafka the Emunah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no physical representation, is what forces us to deal with the spiritual reality. And if we, if we deal with Hashem as a spiritual reality, then by extension, we're going to deal with ourselves as a spiritual reality also. We're speaking to Hashem. How are we speaking to Hashem? He's not here physically in front of us. Spiritually, He's here. We're getting closer to Hashem. How? He's not here physically. Spiritually. It, makes us, it forces us into that dimension, 
And therefore, if we're going to talk about reward and punishment, we're going to that same level. And that's something which the other religions couldn't copy. They could copy the facade, they could copy the body, they couldn't copy the spirit. And therefore, he said it's like a dead statue next to a live person. They look the same, they have the same features. But one is, one is just, it's just a statue, there's nothing more than that. The human being, the body is just a part of him. There's the person himself, so to speak, his, his, his emotions, his feelings, his life, which is much more than that. Let's prove this. Let's prove this. The idea of, let's say, what a person can achieve in a religion, or what a religion can bring up with, the, let's say, the ultimate, that a person who wants to use religion to get to, where is it going to bring him to? So, let's just take Christianity as our first example. What the Christians could work on is basically what we call in Hebrew precious, which means abstinence. They could decide to live in a monastery and not get married and not talk and not eat meat and drink wine and live a very restricted life. And they define that the mind of a religion is its ability to detach a person from everything physical. Chazal already said this. Chazal already said this. If that's the case, the, the way a religion would look at it is physical excess is bad and we have to avoid that. And therefore, what they would consider spirituality is detachment. Detachment from everything physical, we want to live a life of precious. Now, again, that idea is something they got from the Torah. The idea of disconnecting from physical pleasure is something which the Torah talks about, whether it's the nausea or it's uh, other categories like that, a person can deny themselves physical pleasure. But at the same time, the Torah is mechaiv a person in physical pleasure. The Torah is mechaiv a person to samachta b'chagecha. It's a mitzvah of simchus yamtav. The Torah is mechaiv a person to get married and have children. The Torah is mechaiv a person in, in a lot of other mitzvahs, which the point of the mitzvah is v'samachta, if ne'ashem elekecha. How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the fact that this, on the one hand we meant to work on precious, and on the other hand we meant to enjoy the world? And use, and that's, that's part of Yom Tov. That's part of the Simcha is to enjoy the world. How do you reconcile the two? The only way to reconcile the two is to say that Pe'emes is the physical world is a vehicle to get to something spiritual. And therefore sometimes the way to get to that spiritual point is to use the physical world. Sometimes it's to avoid the physical world. And the Torah can give us the recipe how to do that. So sometimes when we use the world around us as a way to bring us to a certain level of Simcha or whatever it is, good, you're doing it to get to a spiritual point. And the Dvekus person can get to on Shvurs or on Simchus Torah or on Seder night. Yes, through eating and through drinking and through enjoying oneself physically, that's a man. Because that's the point. It brings us somewhere. And sometimes it's exactly the opposite. If a person is going to indulge in too much physicality, then it's going to detach him from that. And therefore the right way to deal with it is to, to, to separate from that so that it's not going to interfere with one's Ruchnis. But if the goal is the Ruchnis the person is meant to get to, then the, 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 the world here becomes... Uh, and, uh, something which is used sometimes as a tool when it's helpful and it's not used when it's going to be unhelpful. But it could be used and it could be not used. It depends when. Whereas if you're going to see the only maile is detachment from physicality, then it's always bad. There's nothing beyond that you're trying to get to. That's what you're trying to get. And if that's the case, you, you have to go the whole way with it. There's, there's, it's not a tool for something else. It's the end in itself. That's one extreme. And if you're going to take the other extreme, if you're going to take the extreme that religion is coming to allow a person to enjoy himself physically. So then other other, then it goes exactly the opposite extreme. 
if that's the case, then if a person just wants to enjoy themselves, so there'll never be a concept of precious. Why, why should there be? On the contrary, the, 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 the religion is to enjoy yourself. Right? If there were religions like that. The religion is to make the most, what we call hedonism or the various other religions which came from the Greeks. That this idea was to make the most of this world. But the Gemara says, Echel ishteki machinomus. Right? So then it's the other way around. Then you, you, you see the point of life is to enjoy oneself. Why would you ever balance it? Why would you ever not want to enjoy yourself? It's taking just the physical and trying to deal with just the physical. It's Tavka in Yiddishkeit, we understand that, that the physical is not the Ikka. The Ikka is the Ruchnius. And now we can use it or not use it, depending on what's going to bring to more Ruchnius, so that it gives us a different perspective. It's a tool which can be used or not used. And it's the same thing with everything. I'm just using this as a marshal. Something which is only going to focus on the physical side of it, right? so then if it doesn't fit into what the physical, the world of how to deal with physicality is going to be, it has no place. Let's give another example. As we know, in Yiddishkeit, there's a tremendous emphasis put on Nimrat Torah. Nimrat Torah is Shavuot Nagid Kulam. Nimrat Torah is, is, is what brings us close to Hashem. Nimrat Torah is a, a different dimension. A different dimension. Think for a second. Which other religion demands you to learn something? Which other religion demands learning something? They demand obedience. They demand you keep the laws, whatever the laws are, to learn. And that's a chiyuv. And that's an all-encompassing chiyuv. And then that's the highest target that we can reach is the Shlemus of Limratar. It doesn't begin. There isn't such a concept. There isn't such a concept. Yes, for a person who wants to become a priest or a pastor or a sheikh or whatever it's going to be, has to know the scriptures he's going to quote. But the idea of learning it and deciphering it and explaining it and discussing it and Kalayomisikhosi doesn't apply. And it's for the same reason. Right? Where's the literature? Look at the Tershabal Pair, which is the product of thousands of minds spending Thousands of hours, thousands of years learning Torah. It doesn't apply anywhere else. Because if the whole religion is physical, then learning doesn't fit into physicality. But it's only if you understand there's a Ruchni's point of what we're doing. And therefore, other the Torah connects us to HaKadosh Baruch It's uh, like the Ramarat. It's Baruch If you want to understand, then it gives it a value. And therefore, the, 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 the difference between Yiddishkeit and other religions is that you can copy the body. You can copy the outside trappings. You can't copy the spirit. That's something which is which is beyond the physical keeping of the mitzvahs, beyond the physical appearance of the religion, which gives it its uh, gives it its chiyus. Now that brings us to the end of the first chelik of the kazar. This wasn't by chance. If we go back down with four minutes, five minutes, and just have an overview, what exactly where was the kazari? It wasn't just a random discussion here that they were discussing things over a cup of coffee. The kazari wanted to learn something, and he he was going he was driving to a point. Which is what the what the Chacham answered him, and this discussion ends because now the Kuzari is satisfied. We're going to see Bezer Shem in the next year. We start the second Chelik of the Kuzari. What the king goes to do now, as far as he's concerned, the discussion's over. He's got what he wanted to get. So let's just look back now that we've learned the whole first half of the Kuzari. What did the king want, and what did the Chacham give him? Right. And if we look again, the story was the king understood that there's some religion which is meant to keep. What did he need to know to find out what the religion was? He needed to know three things. He needed to know three things. And that's what, he, what the whole discussion here was revolved around three major concepts. The first one is, what's your concept of Hashem? Who do you believe is the God, the Creator? Why do you call Him the Creator? What, what, what do you owe Him? What does He expect from you? Number one. Number two, the concept of, what, how do you know what you're meant to do? Because I also had good intentions. But he says, what I was doing was wrong. So how do you know what you meant to do is right? 
And therefore, where, where's the proof that you, what, you, what you're doing is what God wants you to do? Second point. And third point, how do you know that you won't get reward or punished for it? If we, if we think about it for a second, Abira Levi wasn't shooting in the dark. These are exactly the three fundamental principles of Imunah. The Ramam goes with the same three things. He divided into 13, but it's really three. The, um, the concept of Hashem, the concept of Matan Torah, which Hashem is telling us what He wants us to do. We know He gave us the Torah, so you know, you know. And number three is Charvonish. And that's exactly what the king wanted to know. And that's what the Gazari tells him, the Chacham tells him. About Hashem, how do we know Hashem? We saw him by Mitzrayim. We saw what he did for us. He promised us and he kept his promise. Second point. How do you know Hashem told us what to do? Like he brought the philosophers who said that we, Hashem can't talk to us and Hashem doesn't speak to people and we don't know what Hashem wants. It's not true. Matan Torah, and he brought all the rights of Matan Torah that we see clearly that HaKadosh Baruch did speak to us and he told us exactly what he wants us to do. And the third point we just started to talk about now, where do you see the Torah province? I want to know what the Tzachar Voynesh is. That's what the Chacham just finished explaining now. Because I'm satisfied. He knows enough to accept the basis of basics of Imuna, which is those are the three basic points of Imuna, which the Khazari has now laid out for us in the term of this dialogue and proved all three. And like we're going to see next time, then the, the, the Maimara Rishon, the first argue, discussion between the king and the Chacham is over. The king's satisfied. He knows what he needs to know. To, on all these three points, to be satisfied that there's the side of, side of Yiddishkeit. There's one more point which the Khazari keeps bringing up. It's not one of the 13 Ikrams of the Rambam. And actually, this is something a lot of the Akronim ask. Why did the Ram leave this point out? And that is the centrality of Kal Yisra. The Ikrim were all about the fact that I'm with Hashem. They gave us the Torah and the Nebu, and we know gave us the Torah, the Torah won't be changed. Hashem knows, Hashem rewards, Hashem will bring us Mashiach, and Hashem will to Chazam The three principles Hashem, Torah, And a lot of the Akronim ask the question what happened to the fact that there's a concept called Kal Yisra, and Kal Yisra are different? Why isn't it one of the Akronim of Imunah? Why is it like that? That we the Amanif, that Hashem chose us and only us. That should be a principle of Imuna too. And you see, the Kuzari didn't forget about that. Rabbi Levi, a number of times, goes back to that point. Klai Yisrael special, Klai Yisrael are different, Klai Yisrael have different abilities, Goyim can't get Nevo. That's a fundamental principle too. So now we're not giving a shit to explain shit to Sarambam. That's a good question. There's a lot of different Mahakim to explain it. But you see, Rabbi Levi understood that's also a fundamental. That's also a fundamental. And that's why he brings it into the first discussion, which is the discussion of the principle of Imuna as well. The king's now a maimin, as we're going to see by Hashem in the next year when we start the next sefer, where he goes from here, and when he comes back to ask the Chacham, it's starting a second discussion on a new field.